passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. I don't know if you guys have been looking at the news, but it's not really a lot of good news right now. They're saying that we're in what's called a financially tough situation, that the average family, it's now costing them $175 a month more to survive this year than it did the same month last year. It's hyperinflation. And we're not going to see an end to it anytime soon. A lot of it is coming our way. We're in financially difficult times. By the way, as we've seen in our study in previous weeks, we're also in spiritually difficult times. We've been studying the book of Jude, and Jude talks about apostasy and false teachers who've slipped into the church, who try to take people away from Jesus Christ. And you and I know there's a lot of them out there. I mean, they have their books on the bookstore shelves, they're on the internet, people are following them, their people are downloading them, and they're being led astray. Well, this morning, I don't really have an answer for how to handle financially difficult times. The book of Jude does have an answer for us about how to handle spiritually difficult times, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Incidentally, if you're new, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors. It's great to have you. We're in a really exciting time here at Crosswinds Church. Many of you know that we just recently finally acquired the north side of the North Mall in Spencer. That'll be our new Spencer campus facility. And then last week, by the way, we uh, just launched a church app. So I hope, by the way, that you take the time to scan the QR code in your bulletin and download that church app. In the next few weeks, our old church app software called Realm is going away, and I want you to be prepared about that. So the new stuff is pretty neat. Also, we sent out to you this week, if you're a member, we sent out to you the proposed budget for the new Spencer campus and the restoration project that will be involved there. As you saw in the budget we sent to the members, it's a $640,000 budget we proposed. About $500,000 of that will be dedicated to Spencer campus renovations. $140,000 or so of that will be dedicated to some things we'd like to fix here on the Spirit Lake campus that have been sitting around for a while. And we also mentioned to you in that letter that there's two times for town hall meetings where you can ask questions about that budget, and one of them is after second service today, so I just want to remind you about that. In addition, we have a lot of exciting stuff going on in the teaching. Uh, we're going to study the book of Jude this morning, and then we're going to study Jude next week, and next week we're actually going to finish the book of Jude. Right after that, Pastor Jordan and I are going to launch into a short four-week series where we're going to share with you the five-year vision that the elders have been working on for Crosswinds Church on both campuses. So it'll be fun to be able to share with you what's been a lot of work on the elders' part and just to do some Bible teaching about the things we'll be doing over the next five years. But today, we're going to be in Jude, verse 17 through 23. There's actually a lot of text, if you guys know me. That's, that's a lot to cover. But we're going to try and cover all that to stay on task. So uh, have your Bibles, if you can. Turn to Jude, verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, that's fine. Just go ahead and stand out of reverence for the Word of God. 
I'll read verses 17 through 23, then we'll dive into our study together. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That ends the reading of God's word. You can be seated. Now, I usually encourage you, by the way, to make sure you take out your notes and follow along with your notes that are in your uh, bulletins. I want you to do that. But by the way, I also mentioned that we just launched the new church app. And let me just show you a little bit on that church app page. Go ahead and throw that up there if you could, Tyler. There's a sermon notes section there. And somehow I'm in, somehow I'm, okay, there we go. The sermon notes section, if you click that, go ahead, Tyler, one deeper. You know, you'll see we have the sermon notes available for you in the app in a variety of ways. And I want to show you this because this week we are beginning to offer the bottom one, which is called the U version. So go ahead and click one more. If you guys use the Bible app, which I know a number of you do, this you can click on that, and that will bring the notes right into your Bible app for you. So hopefully this will help you be able to keep your notes for the things we study in a nice organized way. You can be able to refer back to them with some kind of regularity. So let's study these verses here. Verse 17, which we just started, is actually sort of a turning point in this letter. Up to this point in the letter... Jude has constantly been talking about these people we call the apostates. People who claim to love Jesus, they don't actually love Jesus. They get in the church and they want to pull people away from Jesus in the church. In fact, he introduced us to them in verse 4 when he said this, Certain persons have crept in to your church unnoticed, ungodly people who have turned the grace of God into a license for sexual immorality. And then from that point forward, he's been talking about these apostates. For instance, in verse 8, he continues to talk about these men. Verse 10 talks about these men. Verse 12, these men. But then we get to this verse, and it changes direction. He starts with essentially saying, but you. This part of the letter is addressed to us. What Jude is going to do, he's going to tell us how to survive in apostate times. How do we survive in spiritually difficult times when there's so many false teachers around us and false teachers who have even infiltrated the church itself? And he's going to give us three big points that we need to know to be able to survive these spiritually difficult times. One, we're going to have to remember that the apostles warned us about this in the past. Number two, we're going to have to remain connected to Jesus Christ in the present. 
And number three, we're going to have to rescue those people who have become entrapped in these false teachings so they don't ruin their future. So you can see it's a past, present, and future kind of uh, arc he covers in the verses that we just read. So let's go ahead and look at this. Number one, to survive apostasy, I must remember the words of the apostles. That's what he says in verses 17 through 18. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly passions. What this means is, the presence of false teachers is certain. They're always going to be there. The apostles warned us it would be this way. The apostles told us there would be many false teachers out there, and especially false teachers in the church who would try to pull people away from Christ. The reason this is important is when we see all these false teachers on the radio, on the internet, don't be surprised. This is what the apostles told us it would be like all the way up until Jesus returns. Don't be discouraged by these things. Don't be surprised by these things. This is the way it's normal. Incidentally, we saw this is the way it was in the past. Remember Jude verse 5, the Exodus generation? All the miraculous things that Jesus did to pull the Exodus generation out of Egypt, bringing them across the Red Sea on dry ground, manna every morning. Jesus is doing miracle after miracle for them. Yet ten times they rebel against Jesus in the wilderness because they were an apostate generation. We saw there was apostasy even in the throne room of heaven. Remember the angels that rebelled against Jesus in heaven? They're called the fallen angels now. And Jude's point is, if there was apostasy in all these false teachers in the past, why do you think they won't be with us today in the present? It's just the way it's always been and always will be. And the apostles told us this. Look what it says. For instance, Jesus said, about, said this in Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, the elect. If you read this, it's sort of implied that where are these people arising? Who are they trying to lead astray? They're arising in the church. False Christs false prophets, to lead astray even the elect, the people who know Christ in the church. They can't do that, but they're going to try. Jesus says we should expect these things. Paul talks about this as well. and I really like this one. He says, For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, and no wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So Paul says to the Corinthians, when you have these people who come into your church who claim to be apostles of Christ, yet they're trying to pull you away from Jesus, don't let this throw you off. 
This is the way Satan works. He disguises himself as an angel of light, yet he's really about sinister works of darkness. Same way that his workmen act, just like he acts. Don't be surprised. Paul says the same thing to young Timothy, the next generation of apostles, if you want to call. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Timothy, you're going to have people that are going to be in the church. They're going to look like genuine followers of Christ in the church, but they're going to actually depart from the faith. And what they're going to start to follow is the teaching of demons. Don't be surprised when you see that happen. Don't be shocked when you see that happen. Expect it. Peter says the same thing. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Peter says, by the way, just expect there will be false prophets. That's the way it was in the Old Testament times among God's people. Expect it will be that way in our times among God's people. That there will be false prophets rising up among us to lead people astray. Do not be surprised. Expect it. And isn't it true if we didn't know that we should expect these things? we would be greatly discouraged by these things. True? Yeah. This is why we have to remember that it was predicted in the past. Now, the next thing we see as we go forward in the text is this. The portrait of a false teacher is clear. What Jude says is if you look at the way that these apostates, these false teachers worked in the past, we will be able to develop a profile of how they will work among us in the present. We've seen this in previous weeks. Remember how Jude took us and we looked at the Exodus generation and how the apostates worked in that generation. We looked at the very throne room of God and the fallen angels and how they worked. We looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and how the apostates worked there. We looked at Cain and how he worked. We looked at Balaam and how, how he worked at pulling God's people away from him. We looked at Korah. We, what, what Jude does is he doesn't go through all these things. Here he sort of makes a summary of the tactics and techniques that you can see that apostates used to try and derail the church in the past. So we know they'll use the same thing in the present. And here is Jude's summary list. First of all, he said, you will be able to recognize them because they are scoffers. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers. Now you wonder, what is a scoffer? Scoffing means to mock someone. It means to ridicule someone. So the way you can recognize a false teacher or an apostate among us is what they do is they tend to mock and ridicule and belittle other Christians. They tend to think they're better, smarter, and wiser than other Christians. Scoffers also 
mock and belittle the traditional teachings of the church. The things that we have believed as Christians for 2,000 years. They'll say, that's foolish. Who actually believes that? This word scoffer is sort of unique in the New Testament. It's only used here in Jude and one other time in 2 Peter. Peter describes it this way. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, Well, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter says, you recognize these apostates because they will mock you if you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Say, no. These guys say, Jesus isn't coming back. Everything continues the way it's always been. How could you actually believe that? You think this whole world is going to change? You see how they do their scoffing about these traditional beliefs, about biblical beliefs? Scoffers in the church, who are really the apostates, they'll mock you if you believe the Bible is literally the Word of God. They'll mock you if you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to be made right with God. And there's no other religion that is true because Jesus is the only way? They'll say, that can't be true. We're much more educated than that. If you say that we believe that God created the world in six days, they'll say, no, that's not true. We know it's all about evolution. Those are the kind of ways that you recognize an apostate a false teacher in the church. They mock and they ridicule you for believing what the Bible says and the traditional beliefs of the church. The next thing that Jude says about how you can recognize them is they are sensual. Let me get it from this phrase. They are following their own ungodly passions. Literally, that the driving factor and influence in them is things that are fleshly. It's money, Sex and power. That's what drives these people. They're living to satisfy fleshly appetites. Now the book of Hebrews says the marriage bed should be kept pure. They'll say, well, that, that's not really that important. The scriptures say that so we give to the poor. We should help those in need. These people will say, no, I need to pile up my money. Because they live for themselves and actually they don't think beyond themselves. One way you can recognize these people is these people are teaching about prosperity, not about holiness. You ever think about that? Holiness is what God wants out of our lives, isn't it? That we would be pleasing to him. Holiness involves self-denial. Holiness involves putting Christ's will ahead of our will. But these people won't preach about holiness. What they'll preach about is prosperity. That God wants you rich. Have your best life now. Be rich now. That's the gospel that they preach. And Jude says, that's the red flag. You have an apostate among you. Because they're not interested in holiness. They're interested in fleshly desires. Number three, Jude says this. You also can recognize them by this. They create divisions. 
He says here in verse 19, it is these who cause divisions. They come into the church, and even though as a church we should be known for our incredible unity through Jesus, even though we're incredibly diverse in age, in background, in wealth, in history, Jesus that unites us is bigger than anything that divides us. Amen? Amen. But they want to create divisions in the church. They want to create camps in the church. It's interesting, the word here for divisions is a special Greek word. It means to make distinctions. They come into the church and they think of themselves as superior to other people in the church. As above other people. So they only hang out with their friends. They don't mingle with common people. Literally this means they are arrogant and full of themselves. You want to see what this looks like in action? I love this illustration. 3 John verse 9. It simply says this. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. You say, well, how am I going to preach that? <laughs> Think of who is writing this. This is a letter written by the Apostle John. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John in our Bible. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in our Bible. The Apostle John was known as the apostle that Jesus loved. He was at the transfiguration. He was at the crucifixion. Like, pretty authoritative guy, right? He writes a letter to the church, and along comes Diotrephes, who's a Mr. Nobody, who thinks he knows better than the Apostle John, that you shouldn't listen to the Apostle John, and you should blow off the letter from the Apostle John. Like, this guy needs a ball-peen hammer knocked to his temple, right? It's like, who do you think you are? Thinking yourself that you're actually better, smarter, or wiser than the Apostle John, who was with Jesus. That's the way you recognize these apostates among you. They create divisions in the church. They think of themselves as better than other people in the church. And let me just be transparent with you guys. I've pastored for what, like almost 27 years or something like that. I've got to think back into the math. I've been through a lot of stuff. And this is exactly the way these people work. I've been there. They come into the church. They don't respect a pastor's leadership. They don't respect elders' leadership. They create camps in foyers, and they just got like an in-group and an out-group. They try to tear apart the church. Jude is dead on, right in what he says. This is how you recognize him. It's not like a personality issue. It's a spiritual issue when you see these things. It's the way that these apostates are used by Satan to attack the church. Now, Jude gets really harsh here. He says, they are without the Holy Spirit. Literally, he says, they are worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. They're fleshly people. Let me unpack this. It's really colorful. You look at the way the Greek works here. It says, these are like fleshly people. And the Greek describes animals this way. Animals live by just their instincts, by their desires. Like, we have a little dog at home. She's eight pounds. You want to become her instant friend, all you do is feed her. 
Anybody who will give her food, she'll follow you around the house. She hopes someday to be fed enough to go from eight to nine pounds. That's her big goal in life. But she's just a dog, and dogs will do anything for food. She lives for her fleshly desires. Now, Jude says they are not spiritual people. In fact, they're missing the spirit. The idea is human beings, and as Christians, we don't just live for our fleshly desires. We have a sense of eternity. We know about right and wrong. We know about God. We can pray to God and be in a relationship with God. My dog cannot do that. Right? And what Jude says, by the way, he says, these people do not know God. They may claim to know God. They may claim they have all kinds of special spiritual experiences with God. Jude says it's all a smokescreen. It's all a sham. They are no different for than an animal. All they're doing is living to satisfy their fleshly desires, whether that's money, sex, or power. They do not have the Holy Spirit in them. That's pretty direct. But that's the way that Jude summarizes them. So the first thing we need to know when it comes to how we can um, live in spiritually tough times with all kinds of apostates around us is we have to remember the past, that the apostles warned us it would be this way. Don't be surprised when we see all these false teachers. Expect it. Now he moves to the present. To survive apostasy, I must remain in a growing relationship with Jesus. And he gives us a couple points of what that looks like. First, we must build ourselves up in the faith. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. To be protected against the teachings of these uh, false apostates, these false teachers, we must become scripturally strong. We must become doctrinally mature. In other words, we must take the time to build ourselves up spiritually. Sort of like going to the gym. You guys know that? Nobody can work out for you. You can't somebody to send your friend to the gym to get exercise for you. You have to take the time, I have to take the time to go and exercise. And if I don't do that time, we become physically weak and vulnerable. And it's the same thing when it comes spiritually. This is the book. We need to make the time to open the book, put our finger in the text, read the book, and try and understand the book so we can grow spiritually strong, so we become doctrinally mature, so we can know the truth. And by the way, I want to be clear about this. God is not just looking for us to gain knowledge. It's knowledge to an end. It's knowledge so we can have obedience to the Word of God. We are not just to learn this Word. We are to apply this word to our life. It doesn't matter how much you know if it doesn't ever sink into your soul. Scripture says this, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, that's this, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God's word is what builds us up, makes us spiritually strong. 
First Peter. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants. That's Jennifer, by the way. Look for the pure spiritual milk that you may, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Just as you crave, like a baby craves milk to grow physically, crave the word of God. And apply the word of God so that we would grow spiritually. I like this one. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as physical bread is important for physical life, which is why you must eat every day, the word of God is spiritual bread. It is essential to spiritual life. And we must consume it every day to grow spiritually healthy and to stay strong. What this means is when we read the Word, by the way, as I said, we're not just reading it for information. We're reading it for obedience. We're reading it for application. We read the Word, and then we say, Jesus, how do you want me to apply this to my life. You do not read this book like you're trying to skim a newspaper article just to find a little bit of information. We read it slowly. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to read the chapter, and then I have to reread the chapter. Sometimes I have to reread the chapter again. I have to underline what I'm reading. I have to circle what I'm reading. I have to interact with what I'm reading. Otherwise, what happens, it doesn't get into my soul. And chances are it won't get into your soul either. You see, if you read the Bible just skimming for information, and you don't apply it, what happens is your heart grows hard. But if you read the Bible and you say, Jesus, how does this apply to my life and my family today? What happens is your heart grows soft. And God applies the word. And this is all part of him growing you up so you're not taken in by the spiritual con men who will try and take you away. Because the better you know the word of truth, the better you can sniff out somebody who's telling you a lie. Incidentally, it says in Ephesians 4, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Just as important as personal study of the Word of God, quite honestly, is to be under the teaching of pastors and teachers who teach you the Word of God. The reason that God gave pastors and teachers, which is what we just read in Ephesians, is because we need them. Pastors and teachers will help us understand the Word of God better than any of us probably would on our own if we're just taking the time to read God's Word in our quiet time. So that's a job of a pastor and teacher, is to expound, teach, illustrate, apply the Word for the people of God. And by the way, let's look at one thing it says here. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good 
work. That's why we keep our finger in the text here at Crosswinds. Now, Jude moves on. To protect us against these spiritual apostate people, we don't just keep our finger in the text, he says, but we must pray in the Holy Spirit. He says here, praying in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Some people, they think it means you have to learn to pray in tongues. That's not what it means, praying in the Holy Spirit. Let me summarize it. It simply means praying in line with God's will. First, there's what we call God's revealed will. Pray in line with God's revealed will. Maybe you have a neighbor that just really irritates you. Don't bother to pray saying, uh, God, I ask that you would just ruin my neighbor's life. He's not going to answer that prayer. He has already revealed to you, love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's pretty clear. So we pray, Lord, help me love my neighbor, not please ruin my neighbor's life. He's not going to answer the, the ruin the neighbor thing. We know that clearly. Second thing about this is we also, when we don't know God's will, and we don't know how we should pray, we just say, Jesus, I'm praying to you, but I want your will to be done in my life more than I want my will to be done in my life. So I submit myself to your will, even if I tell you what is my will. That's what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit, or pray in the Spirit, when we do not know what God's revealed will is. Last thing I want to mention to you is, praying in the Spirit means being confident that when you're so broken, that when you're so despondent, that when you're at the end of your ropes, that you can call out to God and ask the Holy Spirit to pray for you when you don't even know how to pray for yourself. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Ever been there? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Praying in line with the Spirit means praying according to God's revealed will, number one. Number two, it means submitting our will to what is God's will. And number three, it simply means we don't even know how to pray, knowing that the Holy Spirit will interpret our groanings, our heart's brokenness to God himself. Now, Jude also says this, we must keep ourselves in the love of God. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. What does this mean? If you're a parent, you know, you'll know exactly what this is. Because if you have kids, while we always love our kids, right? There are sometimes it's a little more difficult to love our kids than others. Right, parents? Yeah, I got an amen out of that one. Because, you know, when you you're, tell your children, hey, could you clean up your room? Hey, could you take out the trash? And they actually do those things. Home is a really nice place, right? You get to, you really want to enjoy blessing them. You're thankful for your kids obeying you. But when you ask them to come home by their curfew 
and they refused to come home by their curfew, and they refused to tell you where they were or what they are doing, then all of a sudden, even though you love your children, home becomes sort of a very frictional place, a place where you're often correcting your children, which isn't as pleasant. And what Jude says, he says, you know what you want to do? Remain in God's love. Enjoy the blessing of being in God's favor. And what does this look like? John 15, 9 through 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You know, if you keep my commandments, things go well around here. Just like parenting. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. But then there's the other side in Hebrews. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. Loving parents sometimes have to be correcting parents. That's not always too pleasant in the home. But it's evidence of love. He also says this. But we must wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What does this mean? Simply that as we live we keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. The day that we will be with Jesus. We live with eternity in mind. We make choices in this life so we will be richly rewarded by Jesus in the next life. Now folks, the apostates, remember they don't know God. They don't even genuinely have the Spirit of God. Oh, they may claim all kinds of things where God's spoken to them. He doesn't speak to you, but he speaks to me. Remember, Jude says it's all a smokescreen. It's all a big lie. The reality is the apostates are only living for this life. Money, sex, and power here and now. He says, you want to be successful? You want to be in line with God and you want to avoid the apostates' teachings? Live with your eyes on the next life. It's diametrically opposed to the way the apostates will be telling you to go. So we've seen. How do we avoid the apostate snares? Remember the apostles told us it would be this way in the past? Don't be surprised when it happens. Remain connected to God, strongly so in the present, by keeping our finger in the text, being regular in prayer. And now he comes to the future. To survive apostasy, I am to rescue the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And he gives us three ways we do that. First one is this. We are to sow mercy to the spiritually confused. To have mercy on those who doubt. You will run across people who are believing in apostates' teaching. You'll run across a lot of them in America. I've run across plenty of people who love Joel Olstein. They think it's wonderful. He's an apostate. He's a prosperity gospel guy, right? And a lot of times these people are involved in this, not because they've often made a really conscious, well-thought-out choice to follow this. It's sort of a, a book was put in their hand. You know, they, they saw a YouTube video on the Internet. They started following it sort of innocently so. And now they are confused and Jude says, when you run across those confused people, you have mercy on them and you try to help them see the truth. 
gently and lovingly, you reach out to them and explain the truth to them by putting your finger in the text. Folks, I would think the majority of people in America, when you run across apostates, they are in this category. Not hardcore apostates, totally against Christ. They're just confused because they've been given the literature of a false teacher, and they're not spiritually adept enough to know the difference. So we just simply help them. There's another kind of apostate you can run across, though, that you want to try to rescue. It's this. We're to snatch the convinced out of the flames. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Now, these are um, not what I would call it. These people are not confused. They're convinced by these apostates. They actually believe these apostates. They're believing the false teaching. And what he says here is you don't go from a mercy operation at this point. You go to a rescue operation. You literally snatch them out of the fire. Picture a stick put in a campfire. You have moments until it starts to burn. That is the way you approach these people. As fast as you can, you try and explain the truth and save them. Because it's like they're almost already in hell at this point. They're starting to burn. So we aggressively pursue them. The third group is this. We're to be careful around the committed apostate. He says, though to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So the confused is most people. We show mercy to them. The convinced are those who actually now believe the apostate's truth. That's a rescue operation. Here we have the committed. These are the hardcore apostates who really almost are satanic at this point. They're people who are actually going out of their way uh, to, to spread the false teaching. And they're very subtle. They're very deceptive. And what Jude says here is you show mercy to them too, but with fear. In other words, be careful around them because they will be subtly trying to deceive you. And I love the way he put this together. This is perfect for you guys, for Yennefer. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. You're like, well, how does that have anything to do with Yennefer? Well, here's the fun part. The word for garment is literally the word for underwear. What is underwear stained by the flesh? It's in the nursery, guys. It's called a dirty diaper. How do you treat dirty underwear that's been stained by the flesh? You pick it up like this. You hold it away from you. You don't bring it near you because otherwise you'll get the stuff all over you. And Jude says, when you come to a committed, hardcore apostate, you show mercy to them, but you treat them like they're a dirty diaper. You keep some distance between the two of you because they're going to try and deceive you. They're going to try and soil you. They're trying to ruin you. They're a hardcore, committed apostate. So, in conclusion, how do we survive these spiritually tough times? Three big points. They're here in your outline. Number one, I'm to remember the words of the apostles. 
that false teachers were there in the past. Expect there'll be false teachers in the present. Don't be surprised when you see this happening around you and even in our own church. Number two, I must remain committed in, in a growing relationship with God. Our finger stays in the text, so we know the truth, so we can sniff out an error. We stay in, a, in step with the Spirit in prayer. We stay in God's love, and we keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. And number three, I must rescue the lost, snatching them out of the flame, realizing there's different kinds of lost people out there. Sometimes there are people that are just confused. They need somebody to tell them the truth. Sometimes there are people that are actually convinced by the error. They need somebody to rescue them because they're there at the last minute. But there's also people that are hardcore committed apostates. We show mercy to them, but we also keep them at arm's length so their filth doesn't become part of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which teaches us how we are to survive in spiritually tough times. That's today. There are plenty of false teachers out there. May we always be a church and always be a people that keep our finger in the text, that knows the truth, that loves the truth, and is not deceived and taken away by error. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.